I hear you. The quick introduction, um, because as we do roll into the fall and winter months, uh, we'll be talking about good practices to maintain positive mental health uh, as we lose sunlight and daylight hours. Um, we'll be chatting about upcoming work that everyone's got going on, uh, the power of asking, and the value of taking personal time. Yep. How's, yep. How's everyone feeling tonight? Good, man. I'm in great company tonight. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been uh, way too long. Uh, I, I, I guess you can see how I'm doing tonight, huh? Yeah. <laughs> see you're doing the best out of all of us. You're out in public. Yeah, well, <laughs> my, 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 flight is, my flight was delayed, so I thought I would be on, I thought I would be settling on this call earlier. Ah, uh, gotcha. Did you wear the hat on the plane? Of course. I love it. Dude, you... <laughs> Oh my goodness. So like do, do the flight attendants just spend the half the flight attending to people's cuts and their divots and their eyes and stuff from the from the costume? He's, he's hey, well, some, I've been doing this for so long. You know, some flights they'll take it they uh they'll lock it in the captain's uh in the captain's closet for me. Oh nice. Oh, nice. You know, or some people are uh anyway, I I've been I've been traveling with this hat for so long. I mean, and honestly, when I don't travel with it, uh, people don't recognize me. So, it's, so sometimes I don't travel with it on purpose. No, I ah. get that. That's um, that's what they make me do with my box cutters after I converted to Islam. That's how far comedy goes, Rook. That's how far comedy goes. He wanted but to know I what's acceptable and what's not. Everything's acceptable. Everything's um, acceptable, man. So, I, here, so I'm going to tell you something right now. I'll tell you something right now. If I was flying a plane and someone brought me a cowboy hat to, to stow away in the captain's quarters, in the cabin, I would. there would be probably a 90% chance I'd have to wear it and do a barrel roll in the plane. <laughs> I just... Oh, you just got okay, a big so shout out from Highlanders Rugby, Rook. Braden, Chris, Gage, you. Trinity, and Olivia, they all say, what's up, buddy? And they love oh. you. And yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to be rude. Here. Gonna... The party is I'm here gonna... now. Yeah. Glad you guys are watching. So yeah. uh, listen, with the uh, <laughs> with Doc, mm -hmm. with the daylight hours, we're getting ready to be inside more again. Um, and one thing we wanted to talk about was Doc had uh, four recommendations, four good practices to help maintain positive uh mental health through the winter months so doc are you prepared to talk or well yeah, i can talk that i mean I, it isn't just you know four that i have that i want to be here talking i want it to be interactive this has of to course be oh yeah 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 okay okay yeah so, yeah you know the first thing that we talk about when when um drew called me up and said we're we're talking about this i said you know one of the worst seasons we ever had was hearing from veterans who were in Alaska and it mm. was like once we first got started and it was started in October so the first year started in October we would get more calls desperation calls from Alaska and then we never heard from them from from April until October you never heard from anybody from Alaska okay so the second year, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Been here, done that. What's going on? And it dawned on me as Drew and I were talking just last week. It suddenly is getting a lot darker here quicker. Mm -hmm. But there, you know, the hours of sunlight, if you, when people were working outside the home, 
the hours of daylight that they saw from October to March were almost none. You know, there's like four hours of mild daylight, but it's in the middle of the day. So one of the most important things that I think anybody can get is go to Amazon and pick out any one of the LED lights that you want for seasonal affective disorder. And I am definitely a person who bought my lights like decades ago, like before it was a thing, before it was considered to be an actual, you know, change, it's your body's reaction to what's going on outside. You know, the world is going to sleep and we start going to sleep too. Sleeping longer, more fatigue, more depression, eat more, exercise less, like all of it goes along with being in in nighttime, you know, time for it to settle down. So I'm a big um, proponent of I have the LED lights in my office, on my desk and in the back. And uh, in my exercise room, I have a whole like several rows of them that I just like flip on to, so that I do keep exercising during the winter. And they're not very expensive anymore. They used to be 30 years ago, but not anymore. So um, for some of the veterans I had mentioned to Drew, uh, get them the automatic wake up instead of waking up to your cell phone or anything like that. It'll be a light that gradually increases and gets brighter as if you're waking up to sunlight and you can schedule oh, wow. it for any time and to kind of gradually increase or all of a sudden increase, but it keeps things a lot more balanced. I find that the number one most effective non-pharmacological way of doing things beside exercise. Those two things are so important. So thank you for letting me get that out there. I was no. waiting for to talk about that all day. No, I mean, so, hey. so Doc, also, are you also big on always waking up at like the same time as well? I mean, I know that some people are like, even if I get four hours of sleep or if I get 10 hours of sleep, I get up at the exact same time every time to, you know, what is it, circadian rhythm or whatever. Um, Correct. Correct. You know, is that something that you, that you stick with as well or with your schedule, is your sleep schedule back and forth sometimes? Uh, I'm pretty much, I pretty much stick to a schedule. I mean, even when I travel and I just happen to be that way because of all the literature that you read, we were just talking about longevity, the longevity of your grandfather or veteran, you know, that, I mean, my grandfather, veteran, longevity, but if you look at their schedules, I don't know about your grandfather, but my grandfather was up every day at the same time, to no. every same, same time to eat each meal, same time, because it's less stress for your body, less that your body has to do. So I try to stick by it. My body just is kind of groomed that way, but um, I, I don't find that that has to be for everybody, but it makes life simpler on your body so that you don't get off. You know? Isn't that why the... Sorry. Wasn't that the purpose of the circadian rhythm was eight hours of work, eight hours of sleep, 16 hours, whatever, everything else, basically? Isn't that the whole idea of that is the, of the circadian rhythm anyways? Like, um, basically, yes, but there are a lot of variations. Okay, okay. There, there are some variations. Like, did you know the people who choose to work third shift are some of the healthiest people? In the country because only very healthy people can work all night long. And they usually are people who require four to five hours sleep max, and they get as much really? rest in their body as those of us who do eight or nine. Yeah, it's a very interesting thing. So, um, and, and the no people idea. who say, man, I just love working third shift. That's what, I mean, I, I, I did not love that in the ER. Um, I, the only thing I loved about working overnight is that 
all of the visitors had to go home at eight. So. Yeah. <laughs> all the look, unless you're dying, get out of here. <laughs> it was just, you know, less, it was less people, you know, less chaos, less everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, I mean, Rob, you're a comedian, Drew, you're a comedian. So we're talking about sleep cycles and, and schedules with being on the road and doing things that you guys do, how hard is it to find sleep schedules and with all the travel and booking rooms and all the different things you got to do? Fortunately, with my chronic pain, I only sleep a couple hours at a pop anyway. So I, uh, I can adjust to anything. You know, I, there, I'll come across the day, say maybe every 20 days where I'm just exhausted and I do sleep for maybe six or eight hours. Hmm. That's it. Other, other than that, I, I essentially nap more oh, than okay. sleep. You know, <laughs> it's hard to, to lay there. And I don't, I can't remember my last dream. That's very true. I, I don't think I ever get into that REM sleep anymore. Uh, I, I think I get into a bit of a sleep and then my body uh, starts to cramp up or hurt or my my nerves start to to do their uh, uh, incredible tricks and uh, yeah or I gotta go to the bathroom you know uh, that happens a lot too you know so uh, it does turn out that you know going to the bathroom that often at night is not an exercise plan so <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I have learned that uh, I, you know, I was counting the steps for a long time. Cause in my house, it's way down at the other end of the hall, you know? All right, man. So, but, but Thank you know, it's not it, an outhouse. Thank goodness you can it, still stay exactly, inside, you know? Exactly. <laughs> hey man, we got to cheat that, uh, you know, the Fitbits and the, uh, you know, Apple fitness uh, apps any way we can, you know, all them steps count. All the way I to the put it on my dog. <laughs> I, I did. I put it on my dog trying to, cause it's, it's to lie to, lie to who, <laughs> who were you trying to lie to? Like you put it on the dog, keep it on Fido and be like, look, honey, I got 10,000 steps. Get off my ass already. Jesus Christ. Look at this. I don't, I don't know what's happening here. I can't lose it. I don't know. Yeah. You can't look at your wife and say, honey, I've got 76 steps today. That doesn't cut it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. I did that once. And then I was like, well, I'm not getting cussed out tomorrow. Let's put this on the dawn. <laughs> I threw the tennis yeah. ball down the hallway a dozen times, and I got like 3,000 steps that day. And I was happy. I was right. happy. She was happy. Yeah, it was a win, win for everything except my LDL. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm taking a pill for that now. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> The vascular guy said I should be taking a pill. So I'm, I'm taking a pill now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so to, to kind of cut, oh, Rook. So mm. with my comedy schedule, it's always been built around the availability of my family. I've never once been willing to kind of risk doing that at the expense of screwing the family over. So... <laughs> It's always been in the evenings after the kids go to bed. Um, I've never, I've done it for money for a couple, like for a couple times, and but I've never considered myself like a full time traveling working comedian. So like that's not an issue for me. Now, um, 
sleep and all that other stuff, my regular life, just being a dad, I mean, that's that, that's sleep when you can, you know, fend for yourself, eat when you can, you know, watch out for the grenades. Just you get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, I wanted to cut back over to Doc real quick, because um, another thing that you had, well, a couple other things you had talked about was having a, a good winter project. Yeah. Um, I, I do like that because you, you said either build up or break down. And I love the concept um, of that. So uh, do you want to elaborate on the idea of doing something like that? We've only got Doc for another 35 minutes. So, <laughs> so um, I'm trying to. You know, I, I love the fact that, that what you do, you know, look at your surroundings and what you do with your surroundings is also what you're doing with your life, with your physical body, with your mental. With your, so um, when we were talking, when Drew and I were just talking, I said, you know, it kind of depends on where you are in, in your life. If you're somebody who has a lot of baggage and a lot of things, then I say declutter, you know, mm -hmm. use your time to like take things out of the basement or take things out of a closet, just whatever you want to do. And, and as you get rid of that, kind of unpack the things that are weighing you down as well. Whether there's, you know, anger toward a relative, there's a lot of people with different politics today and that, you know, unpack all of that while you're unpacking things at home. And it really does kind of work that way. If you're a person who is, you know, looking for something to kind of build you up on the other hand, then create something you know, and talk to your family. What do you want to do with this room? What, what do we think is a viable thing we could either do as a family or that you guys can leave me alone so that I can do on my own to get <laughs> yeah. this, you know, down. But, but you need a plan because it can't be something that you say, you know, in the middle of January when all of the holidays are over and you're feeling really down and everything's gone and nothing good is going to happen until April when the sun comes back and the warm comes back. For those that think of something before that so that you can get going and get a schedule like I'm going to start this in December, finish it by the end of January and try to stick to that. I think that you'll find um, you feel a sense of accomplishment and you've got a reason to kind of keep moving. And Brooke, I see you shaking your head. So what are you thinking? About? No, no, I, I, I think that um, you have, you know, you bring up a really good point. And my question was, is, um, you know, Doc, what, what do you do? you know, during these months or, or with your off time to really uh, create or, I mean, are you into reading books? Are you into art? Are you into music? I mean, what, what is the thing that, that helps you find center again? Oh, we also have a question from uh, live. So when you answer this one, we're going to go to live questions real quick. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, my favorite thing is uh, writing short stories. Um, and that's primarily what I get from you all, to tell you the truth. Um, I made a comment about the chaos in Afghanistan recently on LinkedIn, and it was all about a watch, okay? And it was, you know, just saying that 20 years ago, you know, people saying, oh, you know, what did we do in Afghanistan? People don't think, I said, you know what, let me tell you, 20 years ago, I couldn't even spell it. I didn't know where it was. I knew nothing about it. I knew nothing about oppression, women's oppression, Islam. I knew nothing. I go now. I can I can draw it on a map. <laughs> you know? I know what it's like there. And I said, you know, I have this sense from talking to so many veterans who have been there. They've given so many things before they left. Every single guy that I talked to that been to Afghanistan gave something away before he left. 
soccer balls, candy, you know, technology, whatever. And this one guy, uh, uh, Ohio National Guardsman said, you know, he gave his watch, really high tech watch, meant a lot to him. But this young kid, he figured a four or five in the village, this is back in 2008, he gave the watch to. So my short story was, what happens with that watch? You know, and it gets to the point that um. I see the watch on the wrist of a Taliban who is there guarding the airport right now. And yeah. I said, trust me, if you think that the American presence didn't mean anything there, there are many young men in the Taliban right now who only know their country under the protection of the United States of America. And they will remember that. And after I kind of posted that seriously, about three days later, USA Today had this picture of three young Taliban guards at the airport and every single one of them were posing as if they were applying for Hollywood. I mean, guns down, well-shaved, chests out. Unbelievable, you know, unbelievable. And I said, I was looking for the watch in that picture. So I get my ideas from you all. And then I tried to take what was, you know, a, a more difficult situation and make it a more creative situation. Dang. Um, long answer, long answer, sorry. That's really no, cool no, though. I mean, that's, that's insane. That's, yeah. yeah I mean, man. Uh, so a question, uh, Aunt Cheryl here. Uh, also, she says she loves you, Rook. Uh, also, hi. Back to you. And uh, she says, how do you motivate to start or get back into a project that you haven't done in a while but love? How do Anybody you motivate? Got, I'm sorry. Uh, to start or get back into a project that you haven't done in a while but yeah. love. But love to uh, do. Anybody? Yeah. You, you know, you know. If you love it, you're gonna jump right back into it. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't can't, have any trouble. I can't with that. leave things that I love doing without really? doing them. Yeah, know? yeah. I think uh, I well, then, let, then I'll then let me answer this one for Aunt Cheryl because I have this issue myself. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Uh, take the podcast for instance. I love the process of recording, um, taking the files over, converting them, creating an episode, uploading them, um, and then dispersing them. I love it, but it takes a lot out of me. So I've got to take breaks from it. And sometimes when you take those breaks, it's hard to get back to it. Um, so I have to kind of remember the importance of the thing that I love to do in order to get back to it. And then I have to make the conscious decision to do it. So like, okay, if I sit back and passively think like, I know I need, it needs to get done. The only thing that's going to alleviate that anxiety is doing it. So that's what I do. So goal that's setting. me. Goal setting. Set the yeah, goal yeah absolutely. Perfect. Yeah. You know, I, I uh, think that, I think it's important to, I think it's important to appreciate your work. Um, like Drew was saying, you know, we, we get into this thing, like, especially when, you know, I'm coaching rugby or, you know, when I, when I bagpipe 9-11 ceremonies or veteran funerals, it's easy to get caught up with, you know, another, you, you, you take all that emotion on from a funeral and you just don't want to do them anymore. You know, I mean, it's, it, it and it's nothing against, you just take on a lot of oh. that emotion seeing those families and the folding of the flags and it's over and over and over again and then the pipes don't turn into the pipes are no longer something you do for fun or something that you love it's an obligation that goes with a lot of sadness and it's the same thing with uh you know when you're coaching and you're coaching it's a very up 
you know, up-tempo schedule and you, you forget to look at the players as all the progress that they're making, <clears throat> pardon me, all the process that they're, you know, all the, all the progress we're making. So you get, you get stuck with, I got all these drills I got to do. I got all these things I got to mm-hmm. do. I got to bagpipe a funeral. And it, it doesn't come along until you take like a, a second, someone stops you and says, you know, you played my grandfather's funeral last year. I remember you. You have no idea how much that means to us and what it meant to the family and, and to, you know, send him, you know, off in, in that old tradition. Or you have a player that comes up to you that you didn't, you coached 10 years ago. And then they talk about the things that you've done for them. And, it, and that kind of like restarts those fires for me. Um, so, I think that, you know, to me, and even with the network here, you know, when someone listens to an episode and they said, you know, when I hear, when I heard what the episode was about, it really spoke to me. It really helped me out through this. Um, my big thing I think would be to appreciate your work. Take a second. If you do get in that situation where you started a project and you stopped, maybe take a second just to appreciate how far you've come in that project and the progress you've made, whatever that project may be and where you want it to be. Like Doc said in a month or two months, right? C- come up with a, a time thing. Like I want this to, I want this project to be here in two months. And uh, what's it going to mean to me then? Mm. Um, that's kind of my thought on it. You know, and sharing it, you gave me an idea, sharing it with somebody, you know, they say, okay, I really want to do this again and let them be kind of your project guy, somebody who can help you along. Uh, you know, they'll ask you about it. If you say like on Facebook, you're going to post, you know, this is what I, this is what my project is going to be doing, checking, you know, in a couple of weeks, because you, if somebody else is excited for you, and you're talking to them about it, it also, I think, makes it a little bit easier for you. So you appreciating your own work, very important. Other people appreciating what you're doing and helping you along is, is very important as well. Absolutely. Um, John Jackson. So I've been wanting to read this comments because he's like, he's doing awesome with these. Uh, he says one of the biggest reasons he started restoring cars was because he is like the winter um he said uh he can take something uh completely beat down and breathe new life into something that was left for dead uh you bring a new meaning uh when there's time that i feel like i can't do that for myself which is i i totally get that especially i use that with art and then he says um with getting back to projects he says start back with the smaller challenges that are easy to complete uh the small wins are uh they take you far and uh, reignite that fire, which is why I laughed when you said, when you're talking about like the fire, like getting to burn it again. I was like, well, that's what Jackson said, man. Yeah. So it's like, it's fine. I was like, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Really cool. That's, that's actually a really good point, man. Start with a small victory first and then get the ball rolling again. You know? What about um, now we briefly mentioned meditation and mindfulness. Um, do you guys want to anybody well, meditation, mindfulness, and then we'll lump that in with exercise and whatnot because we've got 25 minutes. Yeah, well, Rob is the mindfulness expert, you know, here. So. Oh, and believe me, over the last couple of months, I have used the I'll hell bet out you of have. <laughs> um, countless nights. In fact, almost every night for a while, you know, the, there's some very nice uh, uh, trauma healing music that that you can put on your iPhone and and fall asleep to, and uh, honestly, that's that's one of the best things. 
but also some stuff that I do, uh, keep in mind, I'm, I'm a little different. I've been different a long time, you know, uh, when I get more mindful, when I have issues, I'm more mindful of other people's issues instead of mine. And that allows me to, uh, I forget about mine, even though they're still definitely <laughs> right in front of me, but I'm, I'm able to forget about mine and maybe help somebody else with an issue or mm. a problem or, or whatever. And uh, ultimately that helps me get relief for my issues too, that I'm, that I'm still working through. Uh, you know, it's not always about me, you know, I mean, even though, damn it, I'm a comedian, I want it to always be about me, but, but it's yeah. not, you know, uh, and I, you know, you grow as a person, I think when you, when you learn that and then practice it too, that's when it matters. When, 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 when I am most depressed, I am seeking out helping family or friends and that gets me out of my ruts. One of the best, one of my most favorite things to do all summer long is uh, I keep a few of those. Uh, they're rather inexpensive at Walmart. They're the small 12 by 18 flags that are at the headstones of veterans, you know, now the ones at Walmart are a little cheaper than the ones my my city or the veterans organizations buy, but uh, I'll ride through a cemetery and get out of my car and straighten up the flags uh, or replace the the damaged ones. Uh, and you know, by the time I get to the other end of the cemetery, I am always feeling better. It just the way it is, you know. I I realize I'm not there yet there's still tons of stuff that i can't even think of to be grateful and or that i want to try to do y you know so i i go and do things like that and that snaps me back to more balanced it doesn't work for everybody i've, I've suggested that to other people and they they told me i was dumb well, i mean they would you think I, it's they, the, oh god they, they were pretty emotional halfway through a cemetery, you know, and I get emotional too. So what, you know, so what? Well, I was going to say, do you think it's the gratification from, you know, like beautifying and like honoring those uh, people? Do you think that's what helps you oh. also mixed with that sure. physical release of doing that? And Absolutely. That helps me, hmm. you know, you know, it's funny. You sent me I, a video today. Go ahead. I, I, I like today is like my 8,080th extra day, you wow. know, I, it was July 2nd, 1999 when I had that 2,300 pound cluster of cylinders hit me in the side of the head, you know, it's that, that's the number of days since I have found something good to do every day, even though I've had medical professionals kicked me pretty hard right in the guts, you know, with different uh, diagnoses, or I said that wrong, diagnoses, I diagnoses. guess. Is, did I do that right? I don't know. Eh, brain injury, you know. But uh, also recently I became a high fall risk. I don't know if you guys knew that. I, oh. Yeah, I've started falling 
damn it. I don't know. Like out of nowhere, boom, I'm on the ground. You know, I fell three times. I went, went to a physical therapist and he tested me. And uh, on that test, I scored a 16, uh, which ironically isn't the lowest test score I ever had. Uh, back in like ninth grade, there was a diagram English English uh, diagramming sentences in English that I got a 14 on that test. And the reason I remember that is my pops called me 14 for about a year and a half. <laughs> and, and I was 15 and 16 years old, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever. whatever, you know, but uh, it, so I, I started, so they give me these wheel. Uh, I got a walker with wheels, uh, but I got the, uh, the 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 jeep model that has handbrakes and shocks on it too so uh it, it doubles as a seat i can sit down and and relax you know whenever i can't get the thing out of the trunk of my car it's a little too heavy and you gotta bend and lean too far you know so but becky gets it for me whenever i need it and uh yeah that are you incorporating it into your comedy am i gonna are, I'm gonna are have you, to, aren't I? Well, well, I mean, yeah, you can't not address the elephant in the room. Right. I mean, <laughs> but, I'm gonna need it to get to the to the microphone. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know, but maybe you start it with at the edge of the stage, and you pull the microphone to you. I bet you that shit ain't <laughs> never been done before. <laughs> I'll figure something out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will. I I haven't been up on stage with one yet or with it yet but yeah. uh i mean That's, it's inevitable if if i'm gonna still try to perform then i'll have to at least use it to get out there i mean i can stand i don't I've got some ideas but i can't say them live and i don't want the respectfully doc i don't want to say them with you around Oh yeah, um, no, not, thank not you. Like, that's yeah, that's uh, after the first yeah. comedy show. I can't believe how bad that must be. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's the fun comedy. I hate I, I I don't know how Longhorn sticks with the corporate stuff so long. I'm like, man, oh, I'm not living if I'm not telling a joke like you know a club joke. Yeah, club joke. All right, now let me ask you to two comedians here. Let me ask you a question because you know, Doc talked about it. And she gets therapy through writing short stories. Do you guys find therapy through writing jokes? No, I get the therapy hearing <laughs> the laughter. No, no, <laughs> no. No, uh, my therapy is hearing the laughter. That's that's when it. I mean, it's I can't even explain it. It's just nothing like I've ever felt before. Hearing a room full of people laugh. It, something silly or something intentionally silly that i've said you know mm. uh no I don't, I don't i don't use art at all anymore for therapy at all um really? yeah i've i every time i start anything artistic i try pushing it to the absolute edge and i make myself crazy and i i had to stop and uh oh. <laughs> so um so i've st i've completely stopped using it as any form of like anything Nah, I just, nah. So what is what is your decompression then? I mean, yeah. we're getting into the we're talking about winter months here, Drew. I mean, like you're what you would normally you know people would find art and music and things as, as a form of therapy. You consider it almost like a task that you have to. Kind yeah, of that was so much push. pressure. Too much pressure. I put so okay. much pressure what, what on is, myself. What, what is your thing, bro? Uh, kicking the shit out of you guys at fantasy football. 
Oh uh, yeah. Okay. I um I mean to be fair, my kids are back in school. Um my wife has my son when my daughters are in school. Um and I'm taking the time to now just kind of rediscover being a normal human again. Um and not just being in here creating and writing and just driving myself nuts. So uh, right now I'm just using, I'm like, I'm, I don't post on social media anymore. I don't do any of the rat race bullshit. Um, and I've forced myself to re-engage with the world around me. And like my life, regular life as a dad and as a husband. And it's been the best form of therapy that I could probably find. Gotcha. That, I mean, thought reading. I mean, I got all these books, like it's just like be just reading too like just getting getting it in i got gotcha. you yeah, so as, as we're talking about getting into winter months and stuff like that where people try to or tend to stay more indoors and eat and watch netflix and chill out doc how do you feel about trying you know what is your recommendations on or ideas or thoughts on you know people staying within a, some type of network or social or still trying to get out and find that same group, even though they don't, maybe you don't feel like going out that night. I'm probably not the best person to ask. I was going to say. <laughs> now, I'll tell you why, because you know, like um, in all of my years in medicine, which were all of the years I can remember, you know, I was always well, later. immersed in the lives of multiple people every single day. Mm -hmm. And so when the pandemic came and work suddenly shut down, I felt like I had just been made queen of a kingdom. It's like, my God, I enjoy my company so much. You know, like, <laughs> I, I really enjoy not being interrupted every few moments. You know, like when you're at a hospital, because in a hospital setting, people are always, you know, kind of, um, so I'm probably not the one to ask my world is how do you tone down everything that's coming after you, you know, let alone uh, stay social. And we know that we've got variant after variant coming down the pike here soon. So the question is things like this are really very important. And I don't think anybody does this better than you all. I really don't. Oh, I think thank you. you're, you're amazing at bringing people like I, Yo, Andrew, I, I met you once. Like, I feel like I know you. Like, like you're one of <laughs> the most important people in my world, you know? I mean, oh, all of you guys, it's really important to me. So I do like, you know, doing that, but I'm not a person who even before would go out necessarily to eat and do it because I was already out there in the world from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. <laughs> I didn't want to stay there till nine or 10, you know? Mm -hmm. Probably how you feel like work after you coaching all that you just like, whoa, no, I don't want to go out and eat with everybody now and get pizza. <laughs> you know, that that's that is a hard that is a hard thing. When we find balance, right? We, we just right. literally talked about finding that that balance being my, having the time to be mindful and have the mindfulness techniques. And, right. um, you know, it, it can get it's real easy to get overwhelmed very quickly, especially as we talk about not just veterans, but anybody with any type of anxiety or PTSD, um, staying social, uh, even well, doc with your profession, staying social for long periods of time and all the energy that goes with that and mentoring and, and explaining things and all that stuff. It literally, Compassion your, your, battery, fatigue. 
Yes. Dude, it just, I mean, there's, I always, the team always gives me stuff because they always like hang out, you know, sometimes they'll do extra hangouts in the week and stuff. And, and I go to the practices and I'll go to team socials and stuff, but there's times, man, where I just got to drink coffee and, and just be a Neanderthal because that's, that's about as much as I can do. I can drink coffee and clack rocks together. And that's as far as I want to take communication. Like <laughs> I don't want to reconnect with my myself. Problems. That's it. That's me, dude. I mean, you know, I just, there's, you have to have, I have to have that downtime. Just like you said, doc, it's, it's, um, I have to make sure that I take that time. Um, I mean, really just absolute downtime. Um, not trying to study something, not trying to be actively engaged in practicing something, music, anything like that. It's literal downtime. It's mindfulness. It's a, it's, you know, sitting on the back steps. It, you know, I can look at the 90 acres behind me. I got deer coming in the backyard and I can just find that center again. Uh, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. <laughs> Thank I, you. Thank yes, you. absolutely. I hear you. Um, Doc, are we, before you go, are we allowed to brag about the documentary you've got coming out this year? Uh, you can, sure. yeah. and, and I do, I mean, this time is going by quickly. It's doing well though. Um, yeah, and it's now, it's a short film now. They've, they've decided to do a short film rather than a, than a documentary. That, I think that's probably going to open up more opportunities for you anyways. Did they probably, <laughs> but yeah, just, I think that's the, the world we live in now is short film over documentary right. for getting those toes in right right exactly so uh, uh the title of it is brainstorms and it was done by uh, julie pacino and her team the tiny apples team it'll mm. be about a 16 minute flick and what it is is kind of a day in the life of a veteran being seen from the inside of his brain out so you can kind of see you know there's some things that happen and you get you know just a regular scene that you would feel in a, in, a, in a normal film. And then it goes inside his head and here's his point of view, you know, from inside out, which um, I think should be very impactful. So uh, November 14th, all of, you know, you guys here with the exception of Rook, but he'll be there in spirit. Uh, yeah, we're buddy. going to be showing a private screening of that aboard the USS Midway um, in San Diego Harbor from 6 to 9 p.m. on uh, Veterans Weekend on Sunday the 14th. And I think it's gonna be a pretty interesting thing. We're hoping to get military members there and medical personnel and folks that would be interested in not just seeing it, but actually doing something when they leave. The yeah. Movie. And now, you all are gonna be there to kind of help that along too. Oh, I can't wait. I gotta, uh, I can't wait. Rob doesn't know yet. But we have uh, we have a date with Jordan in LA afterwards uh, to go get tacos. Dude, I oh, I've, uh, I've I've thought about a couple things about going out there. Uh, first off, Doc, I wanted to say real quick: it uh, are you sure part of this short film isn't uh, going to be adult rated? Then, it's, I mean, it's, you know, most, seriously, most veterans think about you know. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, six, eight, 10 times a minute. You know what I'm saying? Like, Jeez. you know what I mean? Like, well, we're talking about digging foxholes or. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it, it's, 
we, we, we talk about all the veterans that Doc gets to talk to. And now I see why she goes home and she doesn't talk to anybody. When she gets off work, she's like, these guys. Oh, my God. <laughs> Listen, she reads, and she reads about the classier form of soldier, too, like Grant, all the older guys. She's like, man, where the hell are these guys? Like, what is <laughs> going to stop yeah. hanging out with those enlisted assholes. <laughs> those enlisted guys, all they do is play cards and drink beer and and tell stories Fades, about how they dominoes and talk shit. That's all they do. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. E4 <laughs> Mafia. I got out of more stuff than I ever had to do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I Somebody, mean, being a listed man definitely teaches yep. you a lot about how to get in and out of trouble. Yep. That's, that's true. It. Yeah. That's the thing is, my kids, I got a daughter that I think she's already like a natural E4. She's like, she's always trying to slide out of it. And like, she's always like, yeah, yeah, of course I did it. And it just like creeps into a corner. It's like, hey, you are six years old. Hey, how do you do? <laughs> so, Doc, let me ask you a question. So, I mean, we're talking, we're talking about brainstorms. We're talking about the short film. Yes. Um, all the veterans that you've dealt with, and, and you know, you're 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 creating this short film. You're you're kind of developing all of these things that you've heard from all of us, and the years that you have spent pretty much diving in, diving into this veteran epidemic that we've been having with PTSD, mental health, traumatic brain injuries. Like, I mean, what was the process here? I mean, I, you know, I mean, that's a huge undertaking and to, and to just, you know, to bring that all together, uh, that whole puzzle. You mean for the film or just doing it well, I mean, daily? What are you talking about here? I mean, for, for the film, for, I mean, cause you know, you, you kind of focus this into a film, right? I mean, you're, all the things that veterans go through and, and giving that perspective. Right, and, and I would like this actually to be like the start of a few different films. Actually, um, what I'm working on from after this film is um, a series of plays called Sit Rep. Mm. I don't know if you guys have ever heard about the plays that go on all over the nation in different neighbors called Mortified. And Mortified, our stories of people will actually tell about things that happened in their high school that actually mortified them. Like, and, and so you go to Youngstown, Ohio, my hometown, and there'll be a night mortified. And it's like four guys getting together for different people from the high school talking about like the worst thing that they did in their high school career. What I would like to do is to get that going in since I like short stories, again, you know, unpack it quickly, um, called sit rep. And for instance, in talking to you all, I love listening to you all. You all have made me so much more aware of the human experience, but there can be one incident and four people in the room and it's totally different in each of their eyes. Like totally yeah. different what happened in those few moments of war, okay? Or those four minutes that should have been horror, but turned out to be actually so horrific that they became comic. You know, I mean, I've heard people laugh in the middle of telling me some of the most incredible stories. And Drew, you did when you talked about, you know, that few minutes that you all had that you said like 27 things had to line up and, and be a dominant effect, or not everybody was going to be there at the end of those few minutes. So uh, I would really think that that would be an interesting way when I'm out there in, in San Diego over the 14th, I'm going to speak to a Hollywood writer afterwards about, he's more of a playwriter, 
about how we could work that out because I think that that could be somehow healing to the veterans who are chosen and to their families because their families can catch a glimpse that maybe they can't catch otherwise. You know, it's, right. it's a little bit more benign being on the stage. And then secondarily, getting the civilian world to say, oh my God, this is what's happening. Like, like I will tell you all, um, and I don't mean to just ramble on here, but for four years, I worked in an inner city ER here in, in Columbus, Ohio. It was very, very rough. It was uh, the number one trauma center. It was the knife and gun club. It was all... And my worst night ever in the ER, the night that I left in the morning and said, I got to get out of this because I'm not going to think very highly of the human race at all if, these, if this is what I keep seeing. That night was a comedy routine compared to the easiest story I've listened to from Iraq or Afghanistan. I mean, I, I could not believe the degree of difference because it's... You all, if you listen to yourselves, and maybe you don't listen to yourselves as empaths, but one of the reasons why I feel so close to you all is that you're a very empathic generation. You don't just think about the person in Afghanistan, Iraq. you empathize with them. You get into, you try to help them. You really, and I think that that's been something that's been very, very different in the world in terms of um, people who go to war. They're not I think this is the first generation where, you know, different sides have been empathic toward each other. So uh, I would like really kind of like to do that. Becoming more aware of our dehumanization of others. Um, like people are becoming like, oh, I've, I've dehumanized that whole like group as a whole. If you didn't like basically um, like when you look at people that um, look at World War II and they're like, well, I wouldn't have just gone along with that, you know, like, if I were a German, you know, citizen, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's like, well, yes, you would have, because that's how that works. Um, the, uh, what, wait, what was the point we were talking about? Oh, with the, uh, the dehumanization, um, even currently, when you look at the, um, post nine 11, um, the attitude that people took towards Islam, whatever the, the, the dehumanization, I think we're way more, aware of that our generations so we're more like like you said empathetic toward the the people that you may necessarily be fighting or just you know quarreling with at that point but i think that that's made it so much harder i think that's one of the reasons why the suicide rate is higher why mm. some mm. of those things are going mm -hmm. on you know i mean mm. really Go ahead. I'm so yeah. sorry. I would say we still have work to do with the way the Asian community has been treated since this uh, virus COVID, was, yeah. you know, uh, in New York City, especially. You've got people walking up to 50, 60 year old Asian looking women and just clocking them as hard as they can, you know, and maybe taking their purse, maybe not, maybe just hitting them because they're Asian. We, we still have a lot of work to do. Right, but uh, I'm talking about the military itself, the 1% who's got to war, by and large. And, and I, I mean, I, I've dealt with 99% the civilian world for most of my life in the last 10 years with the military. The difference is, is you all. And yeah. I had an actual discussion with several, several World War II, Korean, 
and Vietnam veterans. And I said, you know, the greatest generation is this 1%. I'm sorry. I said, you know, my dad was in World War II too, but if you stayed home, you were abnormal. <laughs> that was it. Everybody's going. In Vietnam, you were drafted. You had to go or you kept going to school. You know, it's just, and if you think about how quickly that has changed around, um, yeah. it, it's just very different. Now we, now we send drones to do things, you know, and equipment. So. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, the books, on, the books on the ground are not as like it used to be, you know, I and mean, thankfully, I mean, we don't have to storm any more beaches in Normandy or, or deal with, you know, the losses we had in Vietnam. And, and even though all the losses that we feel in the military are just as heavy, um, you know, technology has helped us uh, cut down drastically on, on the losses of war. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's always phenomenal for me to see, uh, you know, the losses in combat compared to, as Doc was saying, the, the, the number of suicides uh, in the veteran community. I mean, it's, it's quadruple 10 times over what we lost in the past 20 years of this war. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's something to be said for, you know, the veterans that are coming home and they just can't shake the war. Um, it's still with us every day. It's, uh, I actually heard a very interesting um, concept, which is, <clears throat> you know, we're all, the, the whole, the whole thing that we're all trying to do here is bring people back together and let everyone know that we're not so different. Um, and, you know, veterans uh, have seen uh, the worst of what man can do against man. And, you know, we come back and we try to find ways to experience the best of what men can do with, you know, each other and, and, and create things and, you know, try to find the best things in life. And, um, you know, it's just really interesting to me that, that, uh, you know, we come back and, and our, our, our tribe is split in half and, and this, you know, it, it's, it's hard to fight for fight for your tribe and then come back and your tribe doesn't like it's like each other. Um, and you're and veterans are stuck right in the middle because uh, you know, we fought for everybody. <laughs> so, exactly. uh, you know, it, it's, we don't care about left or right or up or down. We're, we're the guys that, and, and gals that go out and make sure that, you know, someone else doesn't have to do it. The kids can get on a school bus tomorrow and not worry about it not being safe uh, to go down the road. Um, you know, we kept we kept the wolves at the you know at the far corner as as long as we could, so that uh, others could enjoy what we have here in this country, which is an amazing. I mean, it really is the greatest country in the world, in my opinion. I, I know I'm biased because I fought for it, but um, you know, it's, it, me and Drew have talked about this several times. It's just, you know, as veterans, we've seen man's inhumanity to man. And then, you know, we come back and we're just trying to look for, you know, that, that, uh, that one thing that just, you know, you, you, you look out and you say, okay, that's, you know, I'm happy I fought for, I'm, I'm happy, you know, that something good is coming out of this. I, I struggled and good is coming out of it, you know? It's gonna be the day that you you see a right and left wing, like, protests come together with some grills and some benches and realize that both groups can cook really well and all of a sudden they start talking <laughs> yeah. and then realize we're all not so different. 
And that we're all just kind of swimming in the same pond. Well, I'm not I'm not getting political. I, I always stay away from politics. I'm just saying that Me too. I'm saying Grill Mates is gonna save this place. Yeah, dude. You know, if anything, if the military has taught me anything, it is the appreciation of other people's culture and how I wish I could literally jump out of an airplane and parachute into every country and just hang out with the locals and eat their food and listen to their jokes and listen to their music. You don't and, like your knees? Huh? Well, you don't like your knees? You could Dude, land and be, you could land. I'm five, I'm five, I, I, <laughs> my dad's six two. He has knees. I'm five nine. I ain't got no knees, man. I'm literally just. <laughs> like you know, Hank Hill's dad, no <laughs> kneecaps. Got him blown off in the Korean War. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just, yeah. Yeah, but no, I, you know, that's that's what I love about this, man. And, and you know, a, a come together that we have here. I mean, we've got four people of all different backgrounds of different places that they live in the United States. And, you know, we're, we're here we are just, I mean, talking like we've known each other our whole lives and, you know, taking each other's experiences in and actually learning from each other. The VA will actually hook you up with needs. <laughs> yeah. Are they made out, you know, are they old, like, Tire rubber or something like that, or oh, it's an angry sergeant major's knees. He, was, <laughs> he, was, he smoked he a lot of cigarettes them. and he had a calcium issue, but they'll get you yeah. by, it'll be all right. That's right, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and he had a calcium issue, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they'll deteriorate like that, and you got to get them redone. That's the whole that's I'm, I'm telling you, the VA is that's one of my conspiracy theories. Is that they're giving you old Sergeant Major's bones so they get all deteriorate faster from the cigarette smoke and the coffee. And then just. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. VA humor. That would be kind of an interesting thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I have a little. <laughs> I have a little. You know, oh, I, got, uh, I, I married my ex-wife, uh, remarried my ex-wife, Becky, uh, to get on her insurance because the prospect of giving up half my shit again was better than VA healthcare. <laughs> mm. Oh man, we just, hey, is that train on fire? Yeah, yeah, where do I buy a ticket? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, you, you, know you gotta put me in, just put me in economy, just put me in the back of the drink, whatever. I'll take At least whatever. I know your poker face now. You're just gonna go all in. You're like fifty percent or all. Fuck, we're going all in. Like if we're the VA, that's like I was convinced. Like those were gonna be my last words. Is it's all right? I've got Tricare. I, I thought that was gonna be my last words for a long time. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, dude, that's a <laughs> that's a true story, man. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's uh, you know, as we're, I mean. You know, this whole thing, man, is awesome. And, and um, you know, I mean, I know we're all kind of dealing with, all, we have so many things going on with all of our lives here in these four squares. And, um, you know, like you said, the, being mindful and, and kind of coming up yeah. with somewhat of an attack of a plan, you know, a plan of attack uh, going into these, these months ahead of us and making sure that we've got um, – projects or things that we're wanting to do or something that we're looking forward to um and getting to that 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 point i mean you know it's it's uh it's it's we all deal with stuff and we all have our own struggles but 
but it's a small, like that one gentleman said, it can be the small victories in the day or in the week right. that they get the ball rolling and get us towards, you know, finding that, that center again and that positive mental health that we, you know, either find from our down downtime or giving back to our community or, or, you know, working in an ER and then, you know, Netflix and leave me alone, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, but, uh, yeah, Outlander, just, the Outlander <laughs> series. Good Lord. See? Men in kilts. That's what brought me back to life. I sat there go, my Lord. I've missed oh, my wife time. loved that show. She lo Oh, yeah, she dug that show. Oh, my sure. Lord. <laughs> to tell you how different we are, I'm still watching the Flintstones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, dude. I just finished the series Turn on Netflix. Really? Um, yeah, Turn. about Turn with the, the Revolutionary War. Um, it's about the George Washington spy network. Oh, so good, dude. They mastered like conflict, like on camera conflict, like bringing, like bringing you or like you to being like, Oh shit, my blood pressure. I got to go take my mask. <laughs> like it's good. Like it's very good. The writing is incredible. And it's all like, they wrote the characters appropriately. So like, if you don't, don't invest yourselves in researching how they actually turned out in real life. If you want to know how the show turns out, because I, a lot of them I didn't know about. Um, so when you go back and you and research them uh, after the show, do it after the show. That way you're not like, okay, this person lives. That person doesn't live. This person, like, it'll just allow yourself to be surprised. It's worth it. And you said Netflix. Yeah. yeah oh, okay, dude. Right. So good. Oh, the writing was just incredible because it's all factual. Yeah. Not all factual. There was some like things that were taken out of context and like flipped for the show, but it was good. All right, Doc. I don't want to take any more of your time. You said nine o'clock. Thanks for coming. Thank you Thanks very much, Doc. Doc. Thank you for inviting me. This is always I always learn so much from y'all. That's for sure. And oh, we'll likewise. Two out of three of you um, in November. And Rook, we're just gonna have to make sure that whatever the bigger city is near you. We'll have to have a private showing there in 2022. So we'll oh, let you kind okay. of be in charge. I, th this Where would that be? Or near? Well, close I mean, to I, the military I, base. We do the live podcast. Have an I've been... Well, we have. So Atlanta's south of me. You got Fort Benning that's south of me. Uh, you know, we got stuff up towards Drew and Virginia. Fort Campbell. Like you're right. You're not far from Fort Campbell. Uh, you're not. Four hours, I'm about four hours away from Fort Campbell. Um, I, I doesn't Tennessee have an Air Force base? I thought they we had have. A, we have a. Uh, um, we should go home to Fort. Air National Guard base. Uh, oh. McGee Tyson is actually half half civilian airport, and then there's the military side. I was just thinking you might want to kind of make it close to a, a military base in Tennessee. You know, it's it's not a huge state, but hey, you know, whatever. How far are you from Nashville? You're really far from Nashville, right? Three hours, uh, right? Well, about three and a half hours, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Oh, because so you got to cut. Do you have to cut north to Knoxville before you cut west to Nashville? Yeah, I either, either go. I either have to go north through Knoxville and then turn turn uh, west, or I got to go south to Chattanooga and then and go then, north. Yeah. So, oh. so you lit it. There is no. It's like. Eh. And then down and up through. Yeah. I'm telling you though, the the if you want the mountainous drive, go Knoxville to Nashville. But if you want the view, because like that view from Chattanooga to Nashville is just gorgeous. 
Oh man, Tennessee is uh, Tennessee's yeah. a beautiful state. There's oh. nothing. Yeah. You got the coming up through the mountains. You've got, especially during the the you know fall, you get the changing of colors too. I mean, you don't get any better than around here. You know, North Carolina. Driving uh, into North Carolina, do those, oh, those yeah. passes. Oh. Oh yeah, if you drive up through Asheville and like you know drive out through that way, you get up on those ridges up on the mountains, and it, you just see forever. It's 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 unreal. It's breathtaking, really. Mm-hmm. Have, have you done the Blue Ridge Parkway? Uh, I've I've gone up through the mountains, up through like the Cherahalla uh, Skyway and things like that in my area, but I haven't done the Blue Ridge. No. Oh, it's beautiful, dude. Do that. Oh, yeah. Do that. You, you'll want to yeah. do that. <laughs> oh no, I'm dude. I, I see the problem is is I fly solo. So what happens is I'm driving Go. like this, and I'm going like this, and P- all I hear is screeching tires. And, <laughs> and you know things things are just on fire going by me, and I'm like, man, it's really crazy around here. I'll just you know what the heck is going on? But yeah, uh, I, I don't. Those, you know, two, two things. I, so- I, I always end up fine. I always end up fine wherever I'm going. I don't know what happened behind me. <laughs> the Blue Ridge Parkway That's... has tons of pull-offs where you can get out of your car, take pictures, look around. It's beautiful. And What's you the fun of that? And also, the, the, the newer cars are coming out with automatic brakes. So mm. as soon yeah. as you can get you one of those cars that will stop you from hitting what's in front of you, I'm going to suggest you do that. Hey, That's man, why I like funny. Maryland on the first day of snow because you always hear like you always hear it behind you the people that like the, just every it's amazing okay. they just they can't handle it in Maryland for yeah. some reason it's just everyone eats it on the first day of snow. Dude, down here in Tennessee on the first day it's like if it's me at freezing rain once in a while or snow <laughs> people still think you can go eighty on the freeway. Oh. <laughs> And you'll just be, I'll be driving the right lane, like being, and also you'll just see someone fly by you at like 90. They're not, they're not even hitting the gas anymore, bro. They're just going 90 because they can't stop. And I just, you know, I just, inertia. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just, uh, dude, it's amazing how we got to the moon. That's all I'm going to say. Can I, don't know can I tell you, it was probably it's probably a Western New Yorker that relocated to down there that's doing the 90 on the highway. Yeah, yeah. Up up here, we barely slow. We'll crack open beers as we're doing 90 down the highway in the winter time and say, hey, watch this, you know? Watch Rob, this. Yeah. Rob, can I ask you a question about, back, about, about Western New York? Because I've always considered myself an East Coaster of being from Western New York. But like it's just been recently brought to my attention that people view our like where we're from Western New York as the Midwest. Is that that's not right, right? That's not right, is it? That's true. They they shouldn't. But they do. I heard that too. I, have you? Because I've never heard that yeah. until recently and I'm like, well, I get it because we have the Midwest attitude. And, 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 bills for god's sakes yeah but yeah. we're still i i are like i don't i didn't i i would never understand that like are we considered they're, they're like the browns i mean they're just come on right along there's the nothing, same lake too there's nothing east coast about western new york nothing. no no you know the story I always go back to is the last time I was in New York City, I got told to go back to Canada. 
<laughs> when I got to basic, people heard my accent and they're like, where are you from? And yeah. I was like, New York? Like, how far from Canada? Pretty close? Yeah, we could tell. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, All right. You know, and I'm like, that's not right. Don't tell me to go back to Canada. You know? <laughs> but then okay, guys, I'm jumping off. All right, bye, Doc. Thank you all. The audience is great. Look forward to doing this again. Take care. Oh, yeah, we still got people watching, too. That's so weird. Oh, my God. Bye-bye. The Bills are still a team. Yeah, they're still a team, Jack.